Hey guys, and welcome back to the Feenstra Zoo. My name is Spencer Feenstra, the host and creator of the zoo. I'm here just to talk to you about things that are on my mind and on my heart. I hope you'll enjoy the show. If you do, please check us out on all social medias at The Feenstra Zoo. Thanks, guys. Hope you enjoy the show. Hey guys, I just want to take a minute here to talk about Anchor. If you don't know what Anchor is, it is where I actually make my podcast. It is the easiest way to get started in podcasting. They've made everything super simple. They have recording software right on their app or online as well. They distribute your podcast for you. Um, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, anywhere almost anywhere that you can listen to a podcast. These guys have spread my name out there for me. They made it super simple. You can record right to the app or online. You guys, if, you, if you're even remotely interested in starting a podcast, this is the way to go. Okay, go to anchor.fm. So that's A-N-C-H-O-R dot F-M. And you can get started. Here's the cool thing. You can actually make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. You don't have to have your name out there with 100,000 people before you can start making money. They've actually sponsored me to put the spot in here. And guess what? I'm making a couple bucks. It's turning this from a hobby into a potential career for me. So if you care to, if you're interested at all, Go to anchor.fm or download the Anchor app to get started. Hi everyone and welcome back to the Feenstra Zoo. I'm glad to be back on my weekly schedule. You know, I've been having such a fantastic time recording and creating this podcast for you. And for Christmas, I was blessed with a bunch of new recording equipment for the the show. My inexperience for which showed through last week, in which I do apologize for the poor sound quality. I believe I've fixed it, but bear with me while I rough out some of the details on it. Anyway, this week... We get to take the first look at my chosen word for the year, which is margin. How to create margin in my life, how to create space both fiscally and with time to be interrupted and to be okay with being interrupted. Join me while we explore the power of slowing down and simplifying and creating margin. Now before we dive in, I need to talk about my inspiration for this season of my life for this episode for really this whole concept now there's two men who i've listened to their podcast read their books um, enjoyed their words we've talked about them here before uh, the first of which being john mark comer he's a pastor and author out of oregon and his book the ruthless elimination of hurry uh, the second is jefferson bethke an author based out of hawaii and his book, To Hell with the Hustle. They also had a short-run podcast together called the Fight, Hustle, and Hurry podcast that I loved and highly recommend you check out. 
Um, I will leave a link to all of which in the show notes here. Just a word here, I will be pulling di things directly from these guys and sharing their wisdom directly with you. I feel it is so important to do so. Their words are very powerful and they're very true. I will do my best to let you know when I'm using their words directly because I do not want to be credited for their work. However, it is very important to share with you. I would like to start by laying the foundation of what it takes to create margin in my life. Um, there's really four pillars in which everything is scheduled around, everything is built around. Um, and when properly managed, they can create time and space in our lives to slow down and to take a deep breath. Basically, it boils down to four non-negotiable things to plan, to plan each week around. Um, the first, Sabbath. Um, we're going to take a huge dive into that. The second being couples time, so time with your spouse or significant other. The third is personal time. And the fourth is work. Which eth with each of these things in check, you or I can keep my life or your life clear of hurry and busyness. That being said, defining hurry or busy or hustle or whatever you want to label it as, may be quite helpful here. Oversimplified, it is the overbearing schedule, that toxic dopamine addiction to being busy, to being productive. Um, in our culture, it's the glorification of being busy that is insane. It's not enough that we have a job. We need to have a hustle or a side hustle or a side hustle, side hustle off your side hustle. Now, this kind of thinking robs so much of your time that it's no longer life-giving, it's no longer what you're wanting it to do. It's overwhelming, and your body can only take so much of it. You can't physically sustain that kind of pace for too long, or your body could give out entirely. A man much smarter than myself said that hurry is not of the devil, it is the devil. That man was Richard Foster, and his words ring very true. For this and for many more reasons, I believe that hurry and busyness and hustle are the root of so many problems in my own life, and I'm sure in yours as well. Unfortunately, there is no quick fix. There's no easy five-step program to an unhurried life. For me, it's a hard-fought battle that, honestly, I have more losses than wins. But I'm encouraged to come from the days where I can actually rest my head at the end of the day and not feel anxiety or panic, not feeling like I'm forgetting something or my head is buzzing about my work from that day. I'm encouraged by days where I actually kept the pace of Jesus albeit never perfectly, but slowing to the cadence of Jesus is difficult, and especially in a day where people are praised and even often brag about how little sleep they got and how active their, their previous day was, or how many hours they worked that week, or worked out that week, or... <laughs> people brag about the weirdest things and all of it 
not all of it, most of it, is the over-glorification of being too busy. So if there isn't an easy five-step program, how do we do it? How do we slow down? What do we need to change? And what should I be focused on? Great question, Spencer. Let's answer those, or do our best to. When we're talking about these things, the resource we're using, um, the thing that we're spending, is time and attention. These two things are precious, such a preci precious resource, in fact, that we can't gain any more of them. And it's to that point I say that time and activity management are the solution. Not easy, but that's what we need to focus on. Remember our four pillars from a minute ago? Sabbath, couple time, personal time, and work? These are non-negotiable things to schedule each week around. So let's dive in and unpack them a little. Number one, and the biggest thing I'm going to be focusing on today, or at least the overarching theme, is the Sabbath. The practice and observing of the Sabbath. It is a holy day of rest, a day to do nothing that even closely resembles work. In his book, John Mark Comer says it this way, This is a holiday once a week. Think of Christmas, but every Sunday, but with none of the stress and none of the pressure. Doesn't that sound amazing? The word Sabbath directly comes from the word Shabbat, which literally means to stop. It means the day to stop. Stop working, stop worrying, just stop. I don't really enjoy thinking of rules as don'ts or can'ts. My brain just doesn't process that way. I try to think of it as guidelines of things to actually do. So for the Sabbath, let's focus on things we can do instead of can't do. For me, it starts 9 p.m. Saturday night, the night before. As if you remember from before, I have rules about turning off my phone starting at that time anyway, so it seems like a natural progression to start at 9 o'clock anyway. So, I turn off my phone, my computer, iPad, any other tech can be, that can be used for distraction and disillusionment. On Sunday, I get to wake up organically, or as organic as I can with young children and animals in my house. I enjoy time with my family, coffee and breakfast, enjoy some scripture, and then some light reading, maybe play with my kids, tech-free time. Just being present and in the moment. Maybe we go for a picnic for lunch, go out into the forest or to the beach. This time of year on Vancouver Island, it's probably raining, but who cares? It's just water. The grounding time of being in God's creation is well worth getting wet. This is a day to rest, reconnect, worship God, be with family, maybe nap. It's a day of peace a day of silence and solitude. Like I said, doing nothing that even closely resembles work. So try to prep your meals the night before, if you can. Try to structure your day of rest, not with rigid have-tos and have to keep this schedule super tight, but schedule it enough that you can 
experience the day and observe the day without falling into just sitting on the couch and wasting a day. You know, it's not for binging on Netflix or Disney+. Plus. It's more than just a day off. It's a day filled with the spirit of restfulness that comes from being in the Father's loving presence, breathing in God's peace. This is a practice that will take time to master, so start small. I'm still not able to conquer a full day without tech. I'm not there yet. So, like I said, I start at 9pm the night before, and the goal is to take it to Monday morning. But right now, let's try to achieve 2 o'clock in the afternoon. You know, it's my girl's natural quiet time, some downtime after lunch, so I get to, to have a little uninterrupted time, which would be great to, you know, enjoy some me time, go play some video games, you know, scroll social media uninterrupted for a couple minutes. I'm not perfect. I'm never going to be. But baby steps. The goal is each week to do a little better, go a little longer, and eventually I'll get to my Monday morning goal. A big part of this practice is worship. And worship through silence. You've probably heard it said before as silence and solitude. I have definitely said that before. It's a time to be taken to sit in silence and listen for God's voice, his guidance, maybe just a whisper or just feeling his presence. This silence isn't just the simple turn off all your tech, lock yourself in a closet, turn off all, dist all distractions kind of silence. It's more inner silence, which, you know, outer silence does help, but quieting your mind. Sit down and wait with patience for God. Listen for God, whom will eventually show up and start talking to you and reveal his presence to you. But this, again, takes time. I find this practice the hardest. There is no misconception here. Silence is where your thoughts find you. And we all know that we are our harshest critics. Silence finds me fast. It makes me stew and resonate and wrestle with the hardest, darkest carnage in my life. But without trial, we can't really taste victory. We need the cocoon to become the butterfly. Just remember, God will meet you in your darkness. He will provide your light and your escape. Now you may need to search for that light. You may need to wrestle and fight through your darkness. But you're not doing it alone. It did and does help me to remind myself that through scripture, Jesus often retreated. He retreated into solitude to silence, to find silence, so he can reconnect to God. It's there where we can find the clearest voice. And 
once you progress in this practice, like I said, it will take time. It is hard. But silence can be extremely life-giving. So keep trying. Just like the Sabbath, start small. Five minutes. Two minutes. Start somewhere. And every time you try, go a little further. It's all about the journey. All right, pillar number two, couple time. I know it is shocking that properly scheduled time with my wife is on my list of non-negotiables. And every week, what? I know. So I won't spend too much time on this one because it is pretty straightforward. I mean, you need to give time to any relationship that you want to to succeed. Bare minimum, I think, is talk intentionally once per day, at least once per day. A real conversation, not just, hey, how are you doing, but actually talk to each other. At least one proper date night per month, and intentional time together at least once per week. I don't have a study or some psychoanalytical anything to back this up, it's just how I feel. Alright, moving on. Number three, personal time. Equally as important as care, as time with your spouse, you need to take care of yourself. Engage in some of that self-care. You know, time to read, time for video games, time to walk, time to take a hot bath with just you and your thoughts, or you and a book. Who said you can't do two things at once? Whatever you need, just take time and schedule it in your week. Your body and your emotional health, your mental health, will thank you. Number four, and the least exciting part of this list, work. We all have to do it. We have to keep our homes afloat, pay the bills, eat, you know, that kind of stuff. So yeah, non-negotiable, I guess. All right, so after we put these four must-haves in our schedule, one more rule. It's important to not fill up your calendar to 100%. Jefferson Bethke, in his book, had a perfect analogy for this. Picture your schedule as a jar, and each activity you do is a rock in your jar. You know, as a husband, as a father, plus a full-time employee outside of this podcast, doesn't leave me a ton of free time for anything else. So my jar is almost full just from my non-negotiables. That's just a reality of life. We all have 24 hours in a day. There's only so much we can achieve. So, with that, even going for coffee with a friend, I need to remove a rock out of my jar out of my jar in order to say yes to you and your coffee which please I have to say no to my wife or kids or something else in my jar it is for this reason that my base answer to most things is no I mean it has to be again stolen from Jeff Bethke and it may sound harsh but it's super true and hope that no one takes it personally in order for me to give you my time, you need to show me what rock 
in my carefully crafted jar, you are more important than. Is it my wife? My kids? My work? Myself? Who or what are you more important than? But at the same time when we're doing this, remember why we're doing all of this. Margin. Creating space in our schedule, the extra time and extra money to be interrupted and to make that okay. At the end of all of this rescheduling, reprioritizing, replanning, that can be very hard and daunting to start. I need it to be okay to take a little extra time and take a little extra out of my jar to give to other people. I want my week to feel like I'm walking in the garden with Jesus at his pace, to slow down to the right to the heart of Jesus, to be okay with that kind of distraction. Now let's frame this properly. It needs to be the right kind of distraction. Not a Netflix binge, not people who want to just sit and you know pour toxicity into my life but people who need love absolutely people who just need to talk absolutely people who don't know what to say can't talk but just need someone to sit there with them in silence 100% absolutely that is the right kind of distraction Now, there is a power and a peace in slowing down to an intentional life. There's a beautiful symmetry between slow, simple, intentional, and peace. These are the right kind of distractions. Now, I do have a lot more to say on this topic, and for that reason, I'm going to stop this episode here. I'm going to stretch this one out to another episode because I have I have a lot more to say and a lot more to share. But in the meantime, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, please reach, reach out this week. I would truly love the conversation. But enough for today. I'm Spencer here at the zoo. God bless everyone.